Hello, this is Dr. Nancy O'Reilly, and you are listening to Conversations with Smart, Amazing Women. Each and every week, we promise to bring you someone who's going to bring something special into your life, keep you sharp, keep you on top of things, your business, your health, your relationships. It's all about you, staying fit. You know, my bucket list is huge. There's so many things I want to do, but I have to stay fit and I have to stay healthy. Relationships, yeah, we women are all about relationships, but there's all kinds of relationships. The relationship you have with yourself, which is so important, the relationship you have with family, coworkers, and the world at large. Uh, women Connect for Good, we're all about helping women to connect in the world to do good things. And, of course, your business. We're one of the fastest-growing trends is women-owned businesses. So it's exciting to know that there's so many great things on the horizon. But today we're going to talk about inspiration. We're going to talk about how women can inspire one another and create a sisterhood, but that we have to keep reaching and we have to keep trying and we have to keep going forward. And it's stories like this that help us to have hope. And that's exactly what we're going to be talking about. We're talking about a book where hope lives. Now, this, these are, this is an inspirational story about passion and purpose. And my guest today is Allie Warren. And she dreamed to become a firefighter as young as 16 years old. And guess what? Of course, dreams do come true. She did do just that. But then, of course, then she wanted to tell the story, her story, where hope lives. Allie's passion is presenting her inspiring message of hope to high school and college students, community groups, and a diverse array of organizations. As Allie's a firefighter with the Alpha Fire Company and an emergency medical technician with Central Life Link Emergency Services, and she co-teaches a monthly two-hour community emergency response team, a CERT team. She lives in State College, Pennsylvania. I'm delighted to have Allie share her story of persistence and courage. Welcome, Allie. Well, first of all, welcome. So glad to have you with Conversations with Smart, Amazing Women, and that's just what you are. Thanks for being with me. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. But you were saying, you know, how did you find me? But all the women that I interview are women that fit into that whole mission of women connecting for good and women that are helping other women to be sharp and amazing and to find their passion and to find their purpose. And that is what you're doing, uh, my dear. Your story's great. But, you know, let's let's start with you because it is all about you, but your story is so very important for other women to hear. And your book, Where Hope Lives, talks about your story. But before you get started, I'll just say one thing, and I want to preface this, that, you know, women look at women like you or women even like me who are successful who are doing what they love to do, who are passionate and really really serving a purpose, really doing things in the world that are making a difference. Look at women like you or me, and they think, gee, it's so easy for them. Oh, my and goodness. Think, yeah, and I think that's why when we talk about women's personal stories and why they're doing what they're doing, we begin to realize that we really are all connected and re we really are on the same page. So... Tell us your story, and, you know, this book became came from your memoirs, which is amazing, but your journaling, but uh, yes. it, became, it truly is your story and a very deep, heartfelt story, but, uh, you know, firefighter, I mean, fantastic, but tell us about you. Absolutely. Well, 
the book kind of, um, I'm still surprised that it exists because it was never something that I intended to write. Um, I always wrote as a child. I would much rather, you know, stay inside, um, you know, than go outside to recess. I just wanted to stay inside and write. I always loved to tell stories, fill pages with my handwritten words of whatever I could um, come up with in my mind. And so when I started firefighting when I was 16, I was already writing every day, just kind of every day, you know, thoughts and feelings and hopes for the future. And so when I found this job, it was very natural for me to kind of document everything that was going on. And those writings, they just started as that. You know, I learned how to cut apart a car with the jaws of life today. I learned how to do CPR. I learned how to, you know, operate this hose line to put out a fire and save somebody's house. It just started very simply as I'm falling in love with this job that I feel like I am meant for. I let, me, felt- let me let me just stop you one moment because you you, you know you, your story is so important that the one thing is that how did you personally at at the young age of sixteen decide that firefighting was what you wanted to do? Where did that come from? Well, I always loved to help people, and I know that sounds very cliche, but what that looked like in my life was you know when my sister and I were little, I would make her pretend to be sick. Uh, just so I could take care of her. Um, you know, we have pictures and family albums of, oh, I would say, what's wrong with Julia? And my mom will say, oh, nothing. You just pretended that she had a stomach ache so you could take care of her. Um, so it was always very natural for me to try to be there for people and try to kind of assess how I could help them. And so um, there was a TV show on NBC called Third Watch that ran for a lot of seasons. It's not on anymore, but that was kind of my first exposure to firefighting. I watched that show. Uh, intently and really felt like this might be something that I feel like combines everything that I naturally am. Um, This might be the perfect job for me. And so we have a local um, fire department here in the small town where I'm from. And I knew um, one of the the firefighters through, you know, a family friend. And I just talked to him one day and, and kind of asked him what it was all about. And if he thought, you know, maybe I could come down and and kind of try it out. And I still remember like it was yesterday walking into that firehouse for the first time and walking in between the two giant fire trucks and just feeling so small. And it was just like something in my heart just clicked into place. I can't explain it any differently than that. It was just like this very simple knowing that this is the job that I was meant to do. And no matter who told me I was too small or too much of a girl or too all of these things, I just trusted that feeling I felt on that first day, and I haven't looked back since. Well, but, you know, I guess the the question would be, you know, and I, I know the story goes on more because this book is now a reality, is that when you when you asked this uh, family friend who was a firefighter, did he ever mention to you that, wait a minute, being a girl is going to be an obstacle, being a, a 16-year-old girl, 16-year-old teenager is going to be an obstacle with a... uh... He didn't mention that. I don't think anybody could have foreseen um, what actually took place in terms of um, people's reaction. Yeah, the sexual harassment that you experienced. Right, absolutely. And just people's reaction to change, um, how stubborn we all can be when something comes, you know, to us that doesn't fit uh, the mold of what we might think. And I think, you know, no one really could foresee what happened in terms of my very simple, you know, I was at that firehouse for three years and just by me saying, I do think that I deserve to have a place here, you know, at 16, 
I am so thankful that I was raised to know who I am and who I'm not, and I was able to make decisions that still stayed true to my morals and my values. There were a lot of times where people were asking me to do things that I didn't want to, that I didn't think went with what I believed. And so I'm so thankful that I was able to stand up to those things at such a young age. But, you know, I really challenged and continue to challenge many people's belief of what's acceptable for a firefighter. Absolutely. And that's the only thing. Yeah. You know, I mean, and again, it's, uh, it's, it's surprising, I guess, when you're, I mean, you went in there bright-eyed and, and really, really ready to change the world and to really make a difference and to, and to really be immediately confronted with discrimination. And, again, you were breaking, you were breaking the model. You were breaking yes. away from what was traditionally believed a firefighter should be, which would be some macho guy, an, Absolutely. a firefighter carrying the small child out, but here's a small right. woman, teenager coming in. So, you know, and I think that's that's been the issue for a lot of women is that, you know, how do you break through? And, and Exactly. The, the question that I have, because after reading the book, you know, I mean, you went through a lot of controversy. You went through a lot of, of harassment. You went through a lot of... Uh, you didn't have many people going, hey, you can do this. And, and again, right. this is a really, really tough profession, firefighting. And Absolutely. Yeah, it's hard, you know, the job itself, let alone if your coworkers aren't, you know, against you. Personally and professionally, you know, you, you came to accident scenes. You were there for fires. You watched, you watched children and, and individuals pass, uh, die from accidents and all kinds of horrific uh, things mm-hmm. that have happened. And there really wasn't anyone there for you. How did you... How did you get through that on a day-to-day basis? First and foremost, my family, uh, my mom and dad and sister, um, they were just the most uh, supportive, understanding people that they possibly could have been. I mean, I was in an impossible situation, and they just never wavered from their support of me. And I think we all kind of had this, this idea, this belief in something bigger that something was going to come from this. Something was going to make all of this struggle matter. And then on, you know, on the other hand, I was writing for hours every day. Um, I think I had 31 full journals before I decided to make it into Where Hope Lives. So that was really my place of solitude. The writing had changed from just a place where I was documenting the job of a firefighter to where I was really recording the truth about what was happening because Nobody believed me because it was a truth that not a lot of people wanted to see. Again, we go back to those ideas and those those uh, stereotypes that we have. Firefighters are helpful people. They they save us. They they cut. They protect us. They save us. They come right. to our rescue. And most of them are. There's yeah. just a handful that do break that mold. Absolutely. You know, and, and eventually you did find a mentor and you did find someone to help support you. Uh, in at least in the book you we were talking about. Mm-hmm. That. But your fortitude again came from your your support from your family. And, Absolutely. And, I think, and like I said, not every woman out there feels that support. Or right. Not every woman out there thinks she she deserves that support. Absolutely. And you know that's what I am so adamant about, even for myself on a day to day, because I am still a firefighter and I'm still a girl, and this is still the world that we live in, and so. You know, things aren't easy all the time by any stretch of the imagination. And so what I really 
learned and what I really have fortified myself with and what I love to share with people of all ages and backgrounds and, you know, careers is that we are so much more than we think we are. We are so much more than just enough. You know, you'll, you'll run into, you know, people who tell you all the reasons why you can't do something. And I used to think I can't just decide that I can be a firefighter, can I? Like, I can't just choose that for myself. But actually, you can. You can decide. I am good enough for this. I am, you know, worthy of this, whatever it is. And so that's what I, you know, rely on every day. In addition to that family support is just my belief and my um, kind of strength that I've had to find within myself. I had to find it. Yeah. Um, and I had to really make it very, very strong and kind of indestructible because there's a lot that comes at you when you're trying to do something different. Sure. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, and again, if you talk to women that are in, in any field at this point, including myself, you're going to find that there's absolutely not one of, of roses and there's always people along the way that are going to be, they're going to be negative and they're going to tell you, you can't succeed. Absolutely. And, and, I, and I think that's, but again, there's a difference between you and, and others that sometimes will listen to that, whereas, you know, you and I both wouldn't be sitting where we are if it, if it hadn't been for saying, you know what, I can do anything I want and I can I can succeed and I will succeed. And that's just mm-hmm. your, your field alone. I mean, there's a lot of fear involved just because of what you have to deal with on a daily, daily basis. But fear is the number one reason that people are not successful. You know, when you when you talk to them, and you know, uh, I don't know if you've read the book Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg. She's the yes, I have. But that's a great book. But you know, she said, you know, the one, number one thing is people don't have self confidence. You know, and, and she's she asked that question, and I think it's a great question. And and you had to face that, and I have to face that over and over again. It's what would you do if you weren't afraid? What what could you accomplish? What could you you know what could you be more of if you weren't afraid? Exactly. And I think that is the question that you continue to probably uh, help people to understand is that fear fear is just fear. You know once you right. Uh, yeah, it's just a state of mind. Absolutely. And the accomplishment that you have is that you did not let your fears overcome you or. Or again, even that, uh, well, you know, women, of course, we don't like to be, you know, not liked, you know. Sure. We don't like to be ostracized. We don't like to be, I mean, and that's something that women need to get used to, is that not, everybody's not going to like you. Absolutely, especially. Wonderful, you know. Right, especially if you're doing things that are forcing change. Yeah. You know, it's the hardest thing sometimes, being a girl firefighter, is the coolest thing in the world, and I love it. And sometimes it's the worst thing in the world. Yeah. And that just comes with being different. But where I am now is that I don't need anyone else to tell me that I can do this. I don't need anyone else to tell me that I can be someone who owns a publishing company that they started. You know, I don't need other people to tell me that I can accomplish what I want to. And I only got to that place because I struggled for so long. So it's not something that just happened overnight. It was years and years of wrestling with this fear of what if I am never good enough? What if I never become unafraid and am able to go after the things that I want? Well, I know I'm looking at your website right now, but one of the things you you really do is spend a lot of time with education. And I think that is 
extremely important is that the message is to, especially high school absolutely because, uh, again, uh, the amount of bullying and harassment that goes on at in high school or junior high, you know, they said little girls are self, they have self-worth, they have self-esteem until they're around nine years old. And wow. then after that, what happens is the media starts taking hold. Other people start taking hold about what she isn't, that she's not smart enough, she's not thin enough, she's not pretty enough, and that's what starts to decay is this self-esteem and this self-confidence that these girls have so that now they're into this vicious cycle of trying to receive approval. Of course. What's going to make the, what's going to be the magical uh, uh, prescription or recipe that people are going to go? Oh my God, you're amazing! You are just of course. amazing, and I love, I just like you so much. Right. And, and I think that's why what you're saying when you go to these high school and these uh, uh, colleges. Well, I can't imagine. What are some of the things they say after you've spoken? What are some of the things you hear? Well, yeah, first of all, I am just so thrilled anytime I get to go into a high school. Um, I co-wrote a lesson plan for Where Hope Lives last year with this wonderful literacy coach named Linda Moyer from Bethlehem, PA. And she found my book through a series of just random happenings, and she had a class of 28 boys and three girls, and she was just trying to get them to read one book. That was, that was her only goal. And so she found my book, and she got copies for the kids, and she just thought, if I can just get them to read this cover to cover, I will have accomplished, you know, really something. Because a lot of these kids had never finished a book before. These were 11th and 12th graders in high school, and they'd never finished a book. And so she found this story that I wrote, and she just started kind of having discussions with them, you know, what, you know, this, this is prejudice. What does this make you think, you know, or this is, this shows that we have a choice in who we become. Um, you know, where hope lives is kind of a preparation for adversity. I think it really shows what a struggle looks like. And these kids come from environments and their home life is such that they are kind of in a state of struggle a lot. And so they really identified with my journey and my triumph, as you said, and kind of my process that I went through. And so she only planned on teaching the lesson plan or the book at that time for just a few months. And when the kids came back from Christmas vacation, they said, we don't want to stop. We want to study this book all the way up until summer. And so Linda and I scrambled to come up with lessons that we could teach these kids. And um, I went to visit them a couple times, and uh, I had never quite experienced something like that where – someone is, you know, looking me in the face and saying, because you went through this and because you wrote what you wrote, I think that I don't have to give up just quite yet. And that was amazing. I had never really experienced that before on on such a tangible level. And so Linda and I decided that we were going to write a professional lesson plan that we would be able to market and sell to high schools, which we've done, and it's in a couple different states right now. But when I go to these schools and I talk to these kids, um, you know, when I when I do speaking engagements and just from my book, you'll see I'm very open with my struggle. And I think that's so important because we yeah. have a tendency to walk around like we're fine all the time. And like, you know, I got to this place without trying too hard and everything's great. But I'm very open with what I went through. And that in turn allows other people to be open as well. So they'll come up to me after and they'll say, you know, maybe I'm the only girl in my 
engineering class or I want to go to tech school to be a carpenter, but I know I'm going to be the only girl. And, you know, boys, too. Everybody struggles. Everybody has been told they can't be something or do something the way they want to do it. So, you know, one kid told me one time that he um, was on a football team, but he really just didn't want to drink like the other football players did. And he never really felt like he had a right to refuse or had a right to maybe recommend that they do something else on their Friday night. And he said after reading this book, he felt like he can stand up and he can say, maybe we shouldn't do that and maybe let's do something else. And so I get these letters from these kids who, I mean, the letters are so special to me. And I think the reason I am so passionate about education is because I didn't know that I was allowed to have a voice when I was going through what I went through. I didn't know that we all have the ability to stand up and say, I don't agree with this, even if you're the only one standing up. And so, you know, in high school, those kids are every day making decisions as to who they're going to be. And I wanted to help influence them positively because we do have so much in the media and in society that's going to maybe get them off their path. Absolutely. And so, yeah, I love going into schools is, is my favorite. And I'm actually working on a book, a version of Where Hope Lives for Middle Schoolers as well because there's so much of this in middle schools as we know. Well, you better you better start going even 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 younger because even younger. <laughs> I've been told that. Young girls at 9 are already starting to lose their self-esteem and their good oh, gosh. The sooner the yeah. better. But you know, they you know, they they talk about teaching, you know, character, uh, you know, certain, you know, characteristics or character building in as early as we can get hold of these kids because uh, again, and it has to be reinforced over and over again. Absolutely. Always a voice saying something else that you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not pretty enough, you know, you're not thin enough. I mean, it's oh my gosh, what these yeah. these, these shoulds that they and and all these things that sometimes are just insurmountable. In the meantime, they're losing track of even what they're, they're it, what's even possible as far as what they're going to become. You know, and this is there's just, just so much. I, I don't know about you, but uh, one thing that I like to always talk about too is that women need to support other women. Oh my gosh, absolutely! And you were getting you were getting stuff and crap from men, but you were also getting crap from women as well. That's girls. correct, yeah, and that surprises a lot of people that sometimes the worst, yeah. you know, the hardest obstacle I have to to face sometimes in a firehouse is from other women. Yeah, right. Because again, you're 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 making them uncomfortable. You know, right. and I think that's that's what happened when I was going, getting my doctorate and doing different things that were kind of, again, taking me out of the ultimate mother, ultimate whatever, you know, wife, whatever you want to call it, is that, you know, well, what about your family? What about them? What are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know, you're like, well, uh, again, uh, I'm hoping that this gives my daughters and my children an opportunity to see that they can do anything they want as well. But it's like, it was, it's always interesting to hear that other other voice that says, you know, but what about them? And women are also worried about being selfie. Yeah. You should think about others more. And it's not that women don't think about that. It's just the fact that, you know, without, if you don't like you, who the heck's going to like you? Absolutely. And that's going to treasure you if you don't treasure yourself. Right. And that's so true. And when you really understand that concept, and not just intellectually, but when you really feel um, how important you are, and that's not in an arrogant kind of way at all. It's just saying I have so much value, and 
I can't let anybody change me because there's only one of me. And what I have to give needs to be given to the world. And when you really understand that and can live that way, live as if you appreciate yourself, it colors everything in your life, career choices, relationship choices, you know, friendships, everything. And so that's really, at the end of the day, you know, aside from where Hope lives, aside from the publishing company, aside from everything, I am just happy that I am happy with myself. And that's been a really, really long road. Yeah. Well, you know, women are starving for other female mentors. I, I had a woman come up to me one day, and she goes, you know, I, I can I talk to you a minute? I said, sure. Let's, you know, she goes, she says, I've got this this female coworker, and she just she's 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 really she bugs me all the time. You know, I really, you know, she's always asking me questions. She's always kind of following me around. She goes, I think she wants my job. And I, mm-hmm. laugh, I, I didn't laugh, but I, all of a sudden I looked at her and I said, you know, and she, she described a little bit what was going on a little bit more. And I finally I said, you know, have you ever thought possibly it's not about getting your job, it's a bit about learning from you because you're such a, a great role model for her. And she, dropped, mm. she almost dropped her, you know, her mouth dropped open and she looked at me like, oh, like, I said, have you ever thought she just really wants to learn from you? You know, that mm. She sees you as a as a positive in her life, and that she can learn things from you. And you know, after that, I saw her later somewhere. I can't remember. And and you know, it was almost like a light bulb went off. But see, that's the point: is that when people start to look at that glass, is it half full or is it half empty? Yeah, it's all about perspective. Then perception starts to change. And it takes it takes women like you, Allie. It takes women like me and women like us as well that have to step out. And you know, we're we got a risk. We've got we stick our necks out and go. Okay, I am willing to do this because I want people to learn to perceive differently. I want mm-hmm. them to be empowered. I want to know. I want them to know that they have choices, and that only they can determine their fate. You know. Absolutely, and I found that in in doing that, not only does it affect women and empower them, it I've seen it so beautifully affect men as well. Um, even you know coworkers of mine or just friends who might talk about women a certain way, or you know say something about women, and they're not even really understanding what they're saying, and they're not looking at it from my perspective. But when we kind of talk about it in a very you know informal way. Um, I've seen such beautiful change and growth in people who have become so much more, you know, understanding of equality and just kind of things that we say that can sway that one way or the other. So it is sticking your neck out, but it benefits everybody when you do so. I think it's not about adversity. It's about collaboration. It's about absolutely creating that sisterhood that's, that that's such a, a, there's such a value and it's so much more fun, you know? Oh Yeah. I was noticing, though, that you're now back in Pennsylvania. And I am. You were in California for a while doing some firefighting. When did you – are you back in your hometown that you used to be in, or are you in a different hometown in Pennsylvania? I am. Um, well, I'm, I grew up in a really small town uh, near um, a bigger town, so I'm, I'm in that bigger town. That's where I'm a firefighter and an EMP, um, and that's where I own my company. So it's wonderful because I get to be close to my family and where I grew up, but I also – have the advantage of being someplace else in a different, um, busier firefighting environment, um, which allows me to do um, some emergency medicine as well. So I am uh, happily back in Pennsylvania. 
Okay, well, let me ask you a question. When you go back to visit your family who still live in that same hometown, what's it like for you when you're, when you're around uh, or you're even around some of those firefighters? Have they come around and said, you know, hey, you know, Allie, you're okay. Allie, you're pretty cool. Allie, you're doing a lot for our profession. And, I mean, what kind of, what kind of feedback do you get now? It's not positive, mostly. That's really um, that's so sorry. I, <laughs> I am so it sorry. Is, that is so, it, you know. <laughs> it is what it is. You know, I, I'm just at a place where I know how I'm going to react, and I'm happy to say hi and be friendly because we obviously know each other, and I'm not going to, you know, ignore them. Um, and, you know, I see them even when we're working um, on different bigger fire calls where there are multiple companies called in. I see them. And I work with them um, happily because it's my job. And um, wow. I'm, you know, I'm You're not really person. bothered by it. Yeah, yeah, it, it doesn't bother me anymore, which is great. It took a long time. Good for you. Good for you. Kill them with kindness, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Sometimes that's all you can do. <laughs> well, good for you. But, uh, again, I'm sure in the in the dark of night and when they're all sitting around, they're thinking, geez. She she is so she is so successful. She is doing so many amazing great things in the world, you know. And one day one day who knows they may come to you and just say, you know what, I'm sorry. I'm yeah. Sorry. I'm sorry. I, I I I'm sorry I treated you this way. You're an amazing young woman. Uh, I'm proud to know you. I'm proud what you're to be. A, I'm proud to be a part of what we're all proud of uh, doing as firefighters and what you're doing as far as education. But you know what? You you've moved on, and sometimes that's part of it. Is you just move on out of that. You know, you become the people that you spend time with. And I think Absolutely. that's something that you need to understand is that. Right, yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm finally in a place where, I mean, part of how Where Hope Lives even began to be written was that I just needed to find closure for myself from all these events that happened that nobody was talking to me about. You know, yeah. in order to talk to me about it, they would have to admit that something happened and that they were wrong. So right. Where Hope Lives started because I was going through all of these journals that I had written and I was trying to figure out what happened, why did it get so bad when I was just trying to be good at this job and I just didn't look like them. I didn't understand why it became so complicated. And through going through those 31 journals, I, you know, was typing in a Word document and found that I had this story that I felt like was pretty universal and important. And so, like I said at the beginning, I'm I'm as surprised that we're here as, you know, anybody else. And I do hope that, you know, one day we can, you know, all make peace. But uh, it's something that I'm okay without. But oh, yeah. I still, you know, I'm looking forward to it and uh, definitely just wish them all the best. There's no no hard feelings anymore. Yeah. Well, just know that uh, you're now part of a sisterhood that's growing all over the, all over the country and all over the world of women who really do get it, who really do want to just support one another and, you know, as, as bright as your light wants to be, it's about helping you to make it as bright as you want. So, Absolutely. Uh, versa, because it's a lot more fun and it's a lot more constructive and we get a lot more great things by doing that. But uh, congratulations. I know you're Thank just, you. I, I know in some respects you're just getting started. I can feel that. But uh, you're just on a, 
on a great path and Women Connect for Good and the Women Speak Project will do what we can to support your your efforts and and being a part of the sisterhood. That's what it's about is connecting. Thank you so much. Who are who are out there doing things like you, maybe not as firefighters but as in healthcare or in Absolutely. business or whatever their career or whatever their passion and their purpose is, it's all about really helping one another because you know what? We're all connected and if one of us not if, if one of us is suffering, we're all suffering. And I think I agree. when we get that when we when we understand that, uh people will start to really, really see the world in a much different way. But uh I'm glad you're in this world. I'm glad you're doing what you're doing. I'm glad you didn't let anyone stop you. And so keep the great work up. Congratulations and many, many, many best wishes. Well, thank you so much. You're you're so welcome.